0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Welcome to the clinic where we always talk about our mental, physical, and spiritual health, depending on what the topic comes up for the day. Um, let's start off with the angelos, like we always do here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to the show today. You know We are in the first week of October here um, as we listen to the show. One of the most beautiful things about that I love about the month of October, not only is it fall and pumpkin season everywhere and you start getting all your pumpkin spice lattes and your pumpkin pies and everything. I love pumpkin. One of my favorite flavors will actually be the pumpkin spice flavors, right? So whatever they do, the pumpkin I really enjoy. I think pumpkin is delicious. Uh, a great time of year and i love fall i love what the change in the in the seasons i love the the cool of the coolness of the weather you know sweatshirt and shorts is a, is what the uh weather calls for and that's kind of my favorite time of year but one of the things that's really really important about october is that is in our church we traditionally have it as the month of the rosary so october is the month of the rosary and we can always remember that and we can always remember to pray a good rosary i always sit down with our family every night and we pray the rosary. Now the kids are little, so sometimes they fall asleep, but that's okay, they know that it's bedtime, they know that we start praying the rosary and it's a time for everybody to quiet down and to uh, really focus on Christ and thank Christ for the day, Uh, focus on the life of Christ through the mysteries of the rosary while we venerate Our Lady and meditate using Hail Marys. Um, So it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer, but whenever I think about the rosary and the importance of the rosary, it brings me back to Fatima, hands down. So today we're going to talk about Fatima. We're going to talk about Our Lady, what the messages are, and really some of the important facts that we might miss about Fatima and what it is really that, that we talk about. You know, people uh, have different thoughts and perspectives on Fatima. I find apparitions fascinating. I just find them beyond fascinating to think that, uh, you know, there can be a a different dimension uh, that we know that we're going to go to, that we have faith that we're going to go to and who is watching us and who comes and talks to us and who comes to look for us. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just fascinating. And what I find fascinating as well as a scientist, shall we say, because a lot of people say, well, you can't prove it. The church might've approved it. Um, but you can't really prove that it happened. Um, you know, give us some, some facts, Well, the interesting things about Fatima, we're going to talk about this a little bit, is that there are facts there. There are things that happened that were, shall we say, scientifically objective, undeniable things that happened. Um, But the reality is even the scientists who were there who witnessed this, uh, who witnessed miracles, who witnessed things that we could not explain with our feeble minds, uh, decided still that it wasn't true. And I think that that's easy for us to do because sometimes, uh, you know, we, we ask for miracles, we ask for things to happen. And when they happen, if it didn't happen the way we wanted to, or more importantly, if it's going to change the narrative of my life, if it's going to cause a change, if it's going to cause me to change the way I think to change what I know is true, that's where it can get scary. And that's where a lot of people will say, you know, I know what I saw, but I'm choosing to ignore it or I'm choosing to not believe it. Where I'm choosing to not uh, make that a part of my life, because then that would mean that I might have to change. That that would mean that if if that is true, if the miracle that I saw is true, if there is a God and I have to follow certain morals and commandments, and I'm not doing that already, am I ready to make that kind of change in my life? And I think that that's what's important. That's what's important about this month of the rosary. That's what's important in terms of meditating on Our Lady, uh, Our Lady's message, uh, from Fatima, meditating on the life of Christ, meditating on really where our soul is going to. Um, and that's what it comes down to. You know, <clears throat> we'll talk about uh, a, a few different things, but let's look at a few articles here that I'm going to post up that you can see uh, if, you, if you go to our website uh, and you look at the um, the talk that we're giving. So there's a few articles that have different facts on Fatima that I thought were interesting uh, just to really kind of whet the appetite and to remind us. What this is all about so one of the articles is called 10 forgotten facts about fatima it is from uh, america needs fatima website and this was posted back in 2013 obviously fatima if we go back it happened in 1917 middle of world war one right and our lady when she appeared told the children about she was well aware of the war and she said that if we didn't amend our ways and we didn't repair Our lives, and we didn't focus on praying the rosary, Uh, there would be another worse war to come. And sure enough, 1939, Germany invades Poland and kicks off World War II. So, you know, interesting to say that, you know, for the children to know that and for these things to come true, sometimes we need to realize that our faith, if we want to really recognize it, whether something is true or not, it might not be the miracle that happened now, but what do we know about what's happening now in terms of? what that's telling us about the future. But interesting article here. The first interesting fact that this article points about, it says 10 forgotten facts about Fatima. One of them is the seventh apparition, seven apparitions actually uh, attributed to Fatima. The article says, our lady appeared six times at Fatima from May 1917 to October 1917. So remember we're in the month of October, last month that she appeared, always on the 13th of the month, right? However, during the first apparition, Our Lady mentioned that she will return to Covaderia the site of the apparition, a seventh time. In her own words, this is what Our Lady said, I have come here to ask you, let me repeat that again here, I have come here to ask you to come here for six months in succession on the 13th day of each month at this same hour. Later, I will tell you who I am and what I want. Afterward, I will return here a seventh time. It makes sense, right? Because the number seven, as we know, is completeness. It's a sign of completeness. There's seven sacraments. It's a very important number in our faith. Our Lady was going to be there seven times. It says, although Fatima specialists differ in their opinions with regard to its interpretation, nothing against Fatima prevents a Catholic to hope and confide that this promise would be fulfilled in the near future. Certainly it is a glorious and most singular event faithful catholic could eagerly look forward to especially in our confusing and chaotic times perhaps the seventh apparition would usher in a time of peace that saint Louis grignon de montfort uh, described as the reign of mary at which our lady prophesized as a triumph of her immaculate heart we're still waiting for that seventh apparition right so we say she's going to appear there appear there seven times we know that she appeared there and she specified uh that it was going to be right there at the covaderia it was she's appeared there six times right? It was between May, month of, or it was when we celebrate Mother's Day. No surprise there. She comes in May of 1917 on the 13th and her last apparition as far was October 13th, 1917 with the hope that there should be another apparition there. So that's something that's interesting and to look out for. Um, Let's look at interesting fact number two that's forgotten. It says the, the rosary and purgatory. Also, on the above occasion, Our Lady revealed to three children that Francisco must say many rosaries before he will go to heaven, and that a certain Amelia will be in purgatory until the end of the world. Here, Our Lady reiterates the salutary practice of praying the Most Holy Rosary as a means to save one's soul, and offers it as a guarantee to Francisco's safe passage to heaven. Certainly an invaluable counsel from the Queen of Heaven and Earth, she likewise points out the very reality of the existence of purgatory, and even cites a striking example of a poor yet already saved soul who will endure its purifying fires till the end of the world. According to research done by Father Sebastian Martins, um, Amelia, the young girl, died under circumstances involving dishonor in matters of chastity. Sh- shockingly, th- as this fact may have been, um, let, me see, let me read that again. Shocking as this fact. May had been to Father Thomas during his own interview, Sister Lucia recalled that more tragic were those souls who suffered the fires of hell forever because of a single mortal sin. Interesting, because obviously, we have a few different things to to think about here. Definitely the question of, is there a purgatory? Is there not a purgatory? Well, if the church approved these, these apparitions, and if we're gonna believe what the church approves, and if we're gonna believe these apparitions, Our Lady made mention... Oh, the purgatory, so there 's no question that there 's a Purgatory there. you know we already know from the Bible uh, how we see that we, we still pray for our departed souls that they may have a safe passage to heaven. shall we say we see Saint. Paul talk about that? We see allusions to that in the in the uh, Gospels. Uh, where Christ says that we pay for our sins either in this life or the next. So if it were strictly heaven and hell, there would be no more paying for your sins in the next life, right? It would be a matter of, okay, you're either in heaven or hell. But if there's a time to continue to purify ourselves for our sins, then there would be a a position in between, right? Where we are still purifying, where we pass and we're still purifying and that would be the purgatory uh, state. Our lady tells us there's a purgatory there and more interestingly she tells us that there is a way to actually avoid purgatory and get to heaven and that is praying the rosary praying the rosary here in the month of october the month of the rosary we can start that practice more when we come back on the other side of the break Uh, we'll keep talking about our lady and fatima and the fact that we might have forgotten All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Thank you for joining us today. Here we are in the month of October, the month of the Holy Rosary. That's what we venerate this month. That's what we think about this month. And really the month of the last apparition of Our Lady at Fatima, in Portugal, where she appeared to three little shepherd children. Uh, interesting always to me, today we're going over just interesting facts about Fatima, really keeping alive that that in our psyche, in our mind, in our hearts, in our soul, in um, our body, uh, the idea of praying the rosary, venerating our lady, and focusing on the life of Christ, the mysteries of the rosary, as that pertains to our own life, uh, to really put our trust in God and to to really think about what benefit we can get and gain from praying the rosary. As our lady tells us, you know, we do this because we want to purify our souls. We want to become closer to God. I can't see any better benefit than that, but it's easy to forget, right? We're in this world. We get distracted. We get distracted by the everyday uh, comings and goings of the world. And we forget that really that our end is in heaven and not here on earth. All right. Let's look at, um, the as we continue here with the facts of the Holy Rosary, we were talking about the Rosary in purgatory. And the last fact that we talked about was how our lady had mentioned to the children that there was a young girl who was going to be in purgatory until the end of the world. Now she also mentioned that, uh, Francisco, one of the seers, one of the young, the, one of the young seers, uh, was going to need to pray rosaries in order to get to heaven. So, you know, it's interesting because we can judge each other. We can say different things. And I don't know why Francisco needed to pray extra rosaries. I know I'm going to need to pray probably a whole bunch of them um, to get to heaven and to pray them right, not just say the words, because I can say that. Gosh, I say the rosary every night. But am I really focused on the rosary or is my mind wandering onto other things? Am I actually, do I actually even know what mystery I'm on as I pray the rosary? Am I focusing on the resurrection? Am I focusing on, uh, you know, the finding of Jesus in the temple? Am I focusing on the coronation of Our Lady as Queen of Heaven and Earth when we are praying that mystery? Is that really what's going through my mind or do I get lost? Sometimes it can be a little bit of a battle. It's not easy. It's not easy to get the mind to focus on that. But I think it's important, especially here as we look at this fact, um, you know, our lady said Francisco is going to need to pray the rosary a little bit more in order to get to heaven. But there was a guarantee he's going to get to heaven and this is a sure way to do it. She mentioned that this young gal was in purgatory uh, until the end of time. So we know that there's a purgatory. We know that there is a time that, you know, I don't think we should strive for that. I don't think a lot of people say, well, I know I'm just going to make some time in purgatory. I don't, I don't think we should strive for that. I think we should have hope that in case I don't complete my purification here on earth, there is a purgatory, but I would want to think that we all want to strive for that one-way ticket um, into heaven. I don't want a pit stop. Uh, for further purification. And if we can do it here, our merits are probably greater. Um, But then the other thing that's interesting is that there was a young gal and she's going to be in purgatory. And it said that there were matters of chastity per history in this. And our lady had mentioned that, you know, before she said that the reason that people go to hell is because of impurity of body, uh, because of sins of the flesh uh, is the main reason. And Lucia actually tells a priest, you know, it's sad that this girl might be in purgatory till till the end of the world, but it's a guarantee that she will not be lost in hell forever. There is a time where she will make it to heaven. So that's interesting to think about, you know, as we think about Fatima, that the rosary is important, that there is a purgatory that we will need to make up for our sins, whether it be this life or the next, hope that there is a purgatory, because obviously sometimes I might not even know what my sins are in this moment. I might not, I might think I know. But then all of a sudden I might, there might be something there that I blocked out. There might be something there that I didn't want to think about. There might be something there that I'm holding on to, and that I've decided that I'm right and that I don't need to ask for forgiveness or that I don't, you know, that the other person was wrong or whatever it is. And that in God's eyes, I need to see it through God's eyes really to see what is it that's right or wrong. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. Am I really ready to unite myself to God in the way he sees us and the way he sees the world? All right, let's look at the next fact the angels and Our Lady's apparition. So a lot of people forget, you know, we think of Fatima and we think, yeah, Our Lady appeared to Fatima. But before Our Lady appeared, there was an angel that appeared. Um, And the interesting thing is that the appearances, when, when they appeared, the visionary said that it was a different vibe when they each appeared. Let's look at what the article says. It says, the children's physical, emotional, and psychological experience with the angel of Portugal and Our Lady were different. This is what Lucia wrote in her memoirs. I do not know why, but the fact is that the apparitions of Our Lady had a very different effect on us. There was the same intimate gladness, the same peace and happiness, but instead of physical weariness, we felt a certain expansive liveliness, a sense of glee instead of annihilation in the divine presence, a certain communicative enthusiasm instead of that difficulty in speaking. So let's look at that. I mean, that's interesting. It's just a matter of fact that from her experience, if there's an angel before us, a purely spiritual being with no body, um, there's a different vibe. She said that it was the same intimate gladness, so there's an intimate gladness, and peace and happiness. But after the angel appeared, there was a physical weariness. It was like they were exhausted, right? But with Our Lady, who was human, body and soul, she comes to them and there's a certain expansive lightliness a sense of glee instead of annihilation in the divine presence so really the angel brings a sense of annihilation in the divine presence you know we can think of that as scary um but i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because remember the angels are there to do God's bidding. And we even look at the book of revelation and we see that there's going to be the four horsemen and the angels that come and they're going to bring about the destruction. They're going to do the work of God and they're going to, you know, separate the wheat from the shaft and they're going to uh, make sure that God's will be done in terms of who gets into heaven, who doesn't they're there to follow God's will, to send us a message of God. And really the angels don't mess around, right? It's either, Hey, this is what's going to happen. You know, the angel uh, appeared to our lady, the angel Gabriel, and she was afraid, right? And he says, hey, this is what God wants of you. It's really a sense of mission every time with the angels. No surprise that with Our Lady, all of a sudden she comes as a mother. She comes as a mother and she gives us, instead of physical weariness, she says, expansive liveliness, a sense of glee. So Our Lady is there to remind us that while God's justice is present, I think she's. this is where we see Our Lady brings the graces. She brings that sense of glee and peace, that sense of what we're gonna have when we unite ourselves with God in love, that sense of a parent. Uh, not that sense of a spiritual messenger, uh, the way the angels are. So it says one stark contrast between the angel and Our Lady is the different natures. The former is a pure spirit, while the latter is flesh and spirit, body and soul. The angel's superior nature drained much energy from the children, which left them in a state of annihilation. Since the children are the same nature as Our Lady, one could surmise that this may explain why the children were more at ease with Our Lady. The human nature they shared with Our Lady found a pleasing and lively consonance with her. One could feel assurance and confidence in Lucia's observation and experience that indeed Our Lady was assumed into heaven, both body and soul. And we know that this is a dogma of the faith. So very interesting to consider, you know, if we're ever praying to our guardian angel or if we're asking God to send his angels to help us, you know, if you feel tired after that a little bit more, then maybe you were in the presence of your guardian angel at that point. Something to consider okay the next fact prayer penance sacrifice and mortification so really more than anything else this is the importance of all this for the conversion of sinners so let's look at this while it is true that the above is constant and recurring theme of our lady of fatima's message it behooves catholics to understand how and why it is so especially in modern times where the notion of mortification and penance is watered down or simply brushed aside as archaic or medieval. And this is really the key. You know, Dr. Sandoval, why are we talking about Fatima? This happened in 1917, it happened 104 years ago. Why does this even matter now? Because everything is in front before the presence of God, there is no time or space before the presence of God to god it's still happening. The message is still happening it's still alive and well, just like when we go to mass it's like going back it, Calvary is still happening it's a representation it's taken out of space and time, and it's brought into the present and really that 's what it comes down to. you know all these these questions and the the requests for prayers, penance, sacrifice, and mortification. The request was a hundred and four years ago. And it's the same request that we have now. Has the world changed? Are we all of a sudden in a place where everything is moral, where there's no longer any sin? No, absolutely not. We see that our hum- because of our human nature, because of our fallen human nature, we continue to sin. We continue to have uh, a fallen nature. We continue to be weak. And in that respect, all of a sudden, we're going to need these things. I should say all of a sudden, but we're constantly going to need these things. We're constantly going to need to do prayer and mortification. The article goes on to say, the gravity of the moral crisis pervasive in the world required prayers, penances, and sacrifices, which prompted the three children, especially especially little Francisco and Jacinta, to practice them to an extreme and heroic degree. At the height of their innocence, the two younger children understood their necessity and offer themselves admirably as expiatory victims. But our, Lady appeal, our Lady's appeal for prayer and penance made to the children also applies to the rest of mankind. Of course, it does. You know, this article that I'm reading was written in 2013, and that's that's great. That was that was a while ago, but nothing's changed since then. You know, that was eight years ago. Do we still need to do penance? Yes, we need to do it every day. Why? Because the devil is alive and well every day and hasn't stopped trying to persecute us and to make us fall and to give us tricks in terms of our fallen nature to begin with. And this is where we need to persevere, you know? So that's important. The next topic is the persecutions. Sometimes people forget about this, but the persecutions suffered by the children from Fatima and friends, people and media because of the apparitions. If we're going to follow God's path, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to follow persecutions. People are going to speak poorly of us. People are going to try to attack our characters. They're going to lie about what we do. They're going to try to get us imprisoned. You know, things of that nature. This is what's going to happen. It's not a bad thing. When we look at St. Paul, he was thrown in jail all the time. St. Peter right away was thrown in jail. God had his angels come and and, uh, break him out of jail. But he was thrown in jail right away. If we're going to speak the truth of Christ... that's actually, that's one way that we know we're speaking the truth of Christ. If we think that we're following our faith correctly, look, look out for persecutions. If you're being persecuted, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a badge of honor or pride. I think it's just more of a sign, more of a guy that's saying, you know, this doesn't feel good right now, but I'm going to do the right thing. uh, regardless of what other people say, the article says Lucia in particular was most aggrieved by these, by the incredulity, incredulity, incredulity of her mother, tough word to say, and kin, as well as by the withdrawal of their affectionate treatment of her. Her sufferings were much more intensified given her tender age. Tough to follow God because all of a sudden your own mother might not be giving you affection and she might be incredulous. You know, she might not believe what you're saying or, you know, your family members might not follow what you're saying. Francisco and Jacinta fared better with their family for their parents never held a hostile attitude toward the apparitions yet they weren't spared from the jokes and wisecracks of neighbors and from the laughter and sneers of bystanders along the road. They were persecuted in their own town. If we recall correctly, it wasn't a very big town, so everybody knew each other and they were being made fun of. They were being told that they didn't know what they were doing, you know, that they were liars and they were being brought down. Why is that? And this is by people they know. This is by your friends. This is by, not by strangers. I mean, I think it's a lot easier to be made fun of by somebody I don't know, because we think in our minds, well, you know, you don't know me. So I think if you got to know me, you would know that I'm okay person, I'm a nice person and you wouldn't be persecuting me. Oh, not necessarily true. Now that would be easier. But now all of a sudden we see it's our own families. It's our own neighbors, people who know you, who are going to question you, who are going to make fun of you, or who are going to separate themselves from you. And as in Lucia's case, separate their affections hard to deal with hard to deal with not easy to do to follow christ and remember that's the form of persecution more interesting facts when we come back on the other side of the break all right well welcome back to the dr louis sandoval show here today we are talking about the rosary and more in particular fatima actually uh, here in the month of October, the month of the Rosary. <clears throat> Why are we talking about this? Because not only do I find apparitions fascinating, I find it so interesting to to for, from a scientific perspective, if you will, that there is a change of physics, of time, place, eternity. You know, the past, the present, all in one. It it really it's mind blowing. Um, and yet, you know, in the world of science today, we talk about. Uh, quantum physics. And if you ever look up quantum physics, they talk about the potential for different dimensions. If you ever watch Star Trek, uh, not Star Wars, but if you watch Star Trek, there are episodes where all of a sudden, uh, you know, the people in the spaceship see another spaceship and they meet each other due, uh, due to a time warp or something. And as they meet each other, it's actually the same spaceship and it's the same people, but from different dimensions. And in one dimension, there's a different captain because they fought different battles because of decisions that were made in the other dimension. Obviously there's gonna be, it's the same people in different positions, um, but different decisions were made. So the idea that every decision we make uh, puts us in a different path and have we made another decision, uh, we'd be also in a different dimension. And, you know, scientifically speaking, that's all fascinating to me. I think it's interesting. And and science is great at thinking about that and thinking that there could be life on other planets and things of that nature. And that's great. But sometimes, even with all that, the idea of, well, gee, maybe there's another dimension that we're not seeing where there's a purgatory of heaven and hell. No, that can't be possible. Well, why not? Isn't that quantum physics? Let's call it quantum spirituality, right? So it's the same thing why wouldn't it be possible to say that I'm going to transfer into a different dimension, that I'm going to be in a different place? And as always, if you have any questions for me, if you're watching the show, there on the screen is my email. That's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. Feel free to uh, reach out to me anytime. Uh, Hopefully I can get back to you uh, in a timely manner. All right, let's get back to this article, which is a very interesting article in terms of things that we sometimes forget that are related to Fatima. The next point is First five Saturday devotion. So, what is the first five Saturday devotion? This was brought up in Fatima. Uh, it was mortifications uh, on the first five Saturdays devotion to facilitate to facilitate its practice. Let's read about what the first five Saturdays is. We think about the Rosary all the time, and that's good. Again, we're in October, the month of the Rosary. Let's pray that Rosary every night. If we're if we have a family, let's pray it in family. If we are single, let's find a family to pray it with. But uh, let's talk about the first five Saturdays. What are we supposed to do with these first five Saturdays? The article says, The original request of Our Lady asks one to confess and receive communion on five consecutive first Saturdays to save five decades of the rosary to meditate during 15 minutes on the mysteries of the rosary for the purpose of making reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in reparation for the sins of men. Let's read that again. So this is what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to uh, confess and receive communion on consecutive first Saturdays, say the five decades of the rosary, and to meditate during 15 minutes on the mysteries of the rosary, the purposes to, for reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary for the sins of men. It says, in subsequent private visions and apparitions, however, Sister Lucia presented to our Lord the difficulties the devotees encountered in fulfilling some conditions with loving con, condense, consent, <laughs> I can't read that word, uh, and solicitude. So she was explaining this to our Lord and saying, hey, you know, this could be kind of hard. We're not exactly able to follow this or it's a little bit challenging for us to do what is required for the first five Saturdays. She said, our Lord deigned to relax the rules to make this devotion easy to observe. Here is the rule. Confession may be done on other days other than the first Saturday, so long as one receives our Lord worthily and has the intention of making reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Even if one forgets to make the intention, it may be done on the next confession, taking advantage of the first occasion to go to confession. So remember the the request was to go to confession on that Saturday and receive communion on that Saturday. Our Lord is saying, look, the confession part you can do it on a different day. It doesn't have to be that Saturday. And even if you forget to make the intention um of repair of reparation when you're going to confession, part of your confession is going to be for the intention of making reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. If you forget to do that during your confession, you can do that the next time you go to confession. And that counts. That's that's a pretty big deal, you know. I mean, the Lord is saying, this is where I'm talking about difference in time and space. You know, what I do now can actually affect, obviously it affects the sins of the past. It repairs the sins of the past. And what I do now, don't we always pray for a better future? So our Lord is saying, look, if you didn't make the intention that day, don't freak out. Don't get scrupulous. The next time you go in time and place, I will make it count for that day. That's pretty impressive. Sister Lucia also clarified that it is not necessary to meditate on all mysteries of the rosary on each first Saturday. One or several suffice. So remember, there's got to be a 15 minute meditation on the mysteries of the rosary. You can pick one or two. You don't have to meditate on all 15 at the same time. You know, it's very logical. That I think that this is our Lord saying, I understand human nature because I was human. And so I understand that if you do these things, if you if you think that you're supposed to do all 15 for 15 minutes, you're just gonna do a rat race where you're gonna do, okay, 15 minutes, 15 mysteries, or if you're gonna do the luminous included, then it's gonna be 20. You know, I've got less than a minute to do each one. I'm just gonna meditate really quickly. That's not a meditation. That's, that's not even fruitful. It's just kind of like rushing through the homework. You know, our Lord is saying, take your time. But if you do this on the first five Saturdays, well, then the first Saturday, maybe you'll do one or two. The next Saturday, you'll do a different one or two. And well, then by the time you're done with the five Saturdays, we're going to be have meditated on all of the mysteries. And I think that that's what's important. With much latitude granted by our Lord himself, there is no reason for the faithful to hesitate or delay this pious practice in the spirit of reparation, which the Immaculate Heart of Mary urgently asks. I think that's important. Seven, let's look at this uh, point. Reasons for the first five Saturday devotion. Well, this is important because sometimes we forget we're saying, well, yes, we already said it was for the reparation of the Immaculate Heart, but let's look at this. This is an interesting point. This may seem academic to some, but it would be good to recapulate here. The reasons for reasons for they may be forgotten. Devotions have intentions attached to them and knowing them adds merit and weight to the practice. So when we do a devotion, we have to have an intention uh, attached to it. The first five Saturdays correspond to the five kinds of offenses and blasphemies committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So there's a purpose to this. So we're saying, okay, we want to do these first five Saturdays. We're going to go to confession. We're going to go to Mass. We're going to pray the Rosary, and we're going to meditate on a couple of mysteries of the Rosary, or we're going to meditate on some of the mysteries of the Rosary for 15 minutes for in reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Well, what are we repairing? This is good. And I like the academic part, of course, you know, being a big scientific nerd, but I like the uh, academic part of this. And let's look at the five reasons, five reasons that this would work or, or that, that we need to repair, uh, that make reparations for the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So the first one is blasphemies against the Immaculate Conception right? So when people say that Our Lady was not immaculately conceived, that's important. You know, we start people start blaspheming or they don't care. Part of the uh, the immaculate conception is the next part. You know, she was conceived immaculately. There was no sin in Our Lady. Point number two is blasphemies uh, against her virginity. So we're repairing against blasphemies against the uh, immaculate conception. Blasphemies against her virginity. How many people Do you hear say, well, you know, our lady doesn't need to be a perpetual virgin, which is part of our dogma. You know, as Catholics, we believe that wholeheartedly, no questions asked. But many people say, oh, no, no, no. If you read the Gospels, you know, they talk about Jesus' brothers and sisters. And so she must have had other children, you know, after Jesus. Well, it doesn't, wouldn't make sense. If you start thinking about theologically, the implications of being immaculately conceived, it would not make sense for her to have had children otherwise. Uh, they would all have to have been um you know an act of God, they would all have to have been uh children of God there wouldn't be any given that our lady was immaculately conceived. it just follows from that that she would have to have perpetual virginity. If you think about that and meditate about that, it makes sense. I can understand why people say no that's not true she wouldn't be a virgin, but the reality is she was, and there was no there was no way around it um, Point number three: blasphemies against her divine maternity. At the same time, the refusal to accept her as the mother of all men. Now, this is important because this is the way God set it up. This is not something that we can say, oh, you know, she's not the mother of the queen of the universe. One, it's, it's the last uh, mystery uh, of the rosaries, right? Where she was, she was crowned as queen of heaven and earth. And so she is in charge of everything as our mother. But how do we know she's our mother? How do we know that she was given to the earth as our spiritual mother? Um, because we saw that Jesus did that. on, on the, from the cross as he's dying, he turns to St. John, the apostle, and he says, this is your mother and mother, this is your son saying, take on the world, mother. You are taking on the maternity for the whole world. And you representing the world right now to me, John, you need to take her as your mother. And that's that's like a command from Jesus, from God himself. It's happening right there on the crucifix. There's no question about that. Um, and if we don't accept that, then are we really accepting the whole of our faith? This is something that we need to consider. But that was point number three there. That's part of what needs to be repaired. Point number four, instilling indifference, scorn, and even hatred towards the Immaculate Mother in the hearts of children. So that's one thing that we need to repair. You know, how many people tell children that Our Lady's not important to blow her off, to not think about her, that she doesn't really matter in our in our uh, Catholic faith. You know, and that's hard uh, for Our Lady because if, our, if God, not Eve, God made her our mother, God told us that she's now our mother, we can't scorn our mother. How many people scorn their mothers? You know, you might have issues with your mom. There's no question about that. I mean, I see people in therapy all the time um, because we're human beings and that relationship is so sacred. But if you notice as a therapist, as a psychiatrist, as a doctor, why are we always talking about our mothers? You know, when I see patients and they talk about their mothers or their fathers, why are we talking about paternal figures? Why is that relationship so important? And Why does it have such a big impact on us? Because it should. Because that's how important that relationship is. And I think it's the reason people talk about it is because if they feel that it was a broken relationship, of all relationships we have in the world, You know, most people don't come to me and tell me, gosh, I really need to talk about this broken friendship I have. Usually the friendship's broken. Yeah, we we kind of move on from it or we, it hurts, but we can live our lives. If we did not have good parenting, if we feel that we did not have a good relationship with our mother, something is amiss something is wrong and we go to therapy because we know somewhere along the lines that is not how that relationship is supposed to be it's supposed to be a relationship of loving and perfection and that's what we're going to find in our lady that's what it's what's important in our lady um and the last point is direct insults against her sacred images uh we're going to talk about this point a little bit when we come back from the break Uh, We're going to finish this article on uh, Fatima and its impact on our world today. More when we come back on the other side of the break here at the clinic. All right. Well, welcome back here to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Uh, Today, we are talking about Fatima. Here in the month of October, the month of the rosary, and why it's important to recall, not just to pray the rosary every day, but recall what happened at Fatima and why and what the purpose uh, is for us, what the message is for us as Catholics on our way to heaven. we got to remember, more than anything else, if if we take nothing from the message of Fatima, is that heaven is in direct relationship with us and we are in direct relationship with heaven. And that which we do here reverberates in eternity we pray our rosary here, it affects our life after death. If uh, we pray our rosary here, it can affect the life of after death of our loved ones, of our friends, of anybody who's out there who needs those prayers. We've got to remember there is a purgatory and we're praying for our souls in purgatory. More than anything else, we've got to remember that we are the communion of saints and that which we do is going to affect everybody around us and our lives. Um, we were talking about one of the points here in this article is just interesting facts about Fatima as we think about praying the rosary and being part of the Fatima experience. That's what we, that's what we're part of every time we pray this because our lady left us a mission, um, which Christ was aware of and doing those first five Saturdays, um, devotions to repair and make reparations to her immaculate heart. That's our mission from our lady of Fatima. Um, you know, in terms of getting closer to Jesus, getting closer to her son, purifying our souls. And so the last reason here that we're doing the first five Saturdays, uh, the blasphemies against our lady was direct insults against her sacred image. Um, I remember that there was a museum somewhere in Europe at one point where they were really playing with holograms and this new technology of how cool it is to do things. And for whatever reason, um, this museum decided that their hologram was going to be uh, the statue of our lady. And obviously it wasn't a real statue, but it was an image of the statue of our lady. And they thought it would be fun that to show the technology of what you could do with a hologram. They were encouraging people to go kick it or hit it and it would shatter. And why use the statue of our lady? Why not just use a glass or a vase or something like that? Really? That's a direct. And so, I mean, there's no question about it. Imagine if somebody put a picture of your mom there and they're like, go crush it. You know, a picture of your spouse, your kids, your husband, your wife, uh, your best friend. They said, hey, look at how cool this is. You can break this picture after a while, you know, and put it in public display. There's a problem there. There's something really bad going on there. There's something really dark going on there. This is why we're making these reparations. This is why the first five Saturdays are important. All right. Next fact from Fatima. A greater miracle denied. This one's an interesting fact. Sister Lucia revealed later in her life that the miracle of the sun... Could have been greater had the children not been abducted by uh, it was the administrator, the administrative council in Portugal there in Fatima, the city of Fatima. Remember, they were abducted. They were not allowed to go um, out for one of the for one of the apparitions, and they were kept uh, behind. <clears throat> and everybody had kept asking for a miracle. Everybody kept saying, you know, so that we know that this is true, ask Our Lady to make a miracle. And uh, Sister Jacinta had, or Sister Lucia had said that you know Our Lady promised a miracle. But since the children were held back, it, the miracle of the sun, which did occur, which was huge, uh, said she said it would have been even greater than what we saw. We can't even imagine. First of all, nobody could have imagined what happened there. But let's read on and see what this says. Um, let's see here. She originally expressed this remarkable detail in the inter- interrogation done by Father Manuel uh, Ferreira on August uh, 21st, 1917, two days after the apparition, but which she left out of her 1941 report. Here is a fitting example of the transgression committed against the wishes of Our Lady, which she left unpunished. <clears throat> um, though no fault of the children, it is lamentably sad to note that the multitudes at Fatima on the afternoon of October 13th, 1917, were deprived of a far greater miracle if not for the deception, trickery, and the malice of civil authorities. Again, this brings us back to the point. So anybody who hasn't heard of this miracle at Fatima, we call it the miracle of the sun, happened in October 13th, right? So we're in the month of October, October 13th, 1917, where there were probably about 70,000 people gathered Uh, out on a field. Uh, They said it was raining, you know, it was raining so hard that they were actually sinking in the mud. At one point there was just mud on everybody's clothing. Um, You know, they were all there with umbrellas waiting to see this apparition, not knowing what this miracle was going to be. And then lo and behold, they say that the sun started to dance. It started to move in the sky and different, uh, you know, all the people there saw it, 70,000 people. It's like, imagine being in a stadium and everybody sees the same thing. There's no way you imagine it. It's not a contagion where one, one person sees it and all of a sudden everybody else just kind of imagines it. Impossible to do in a crowd of 70,000 people. But this sun started to dance. It started to jump. It started to spread different colors uh, in the sky. And everybody saw this. You know, the anybody who was there, the civil authorities saw this. The people who were there saw this. Um, and I remember that there were some reporters there who saw it and they reported on it. But there are stories of scientists who went there to see it. But there was one scientist in particular who said no matter what the miracle was, he wasn't going to believe it. And that to me was pretty interesting because as scientists, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to observe that which we see without adding or taking away from it. Just observe it objectively as it is. And if that's what happened objectively with the sun, where it started to dance and it started to, you know, let off different colors and things of that nature, you can't deny it. You got to call it as it is. You got to call a spade a spade. But people were already coming with this heart. Uh, from a scientific community saying it doesn't matter what's going to happen there, I'm not going to believe it. I'm choosing not to believe it. Um, that's that's something that's pretty sad, but I think it's a warning to us too to take note. How many times you know Christ says, uh, "If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts," right? So we're not supposed to harden our hearts. Well, if we hear His voice, if we see His at miracles. We could harden our hearts and say, it doesn't matter what God says or what he, what he's showing me, I'm choosing not to believe it. You know, we do that all the time and we do that all the time. Um, even when things seem good, you know, we can get into that trap just like Eve did, you know, the fruit of the tree seemed good and, and, and tasteful and, you know, there was nothing wrong with it. But in the back of our minds, we know that that's not good, that that's not what God would have wanted. You know, we got to go with that. But in this particular case, you know, the miracle could have been even greater that point where the civil authorities had held the children back, that points to where we affect each other. Our actions are going to affect what's going to happen for everybody else. Um, because that's the way God works. That's in the eyes of God. You know, we're all one body. So if we're all the body of Christ, if I do something it's going to affect the way the the goodness, the, the graces, the miracles that can happen in other people's lives. That's pretty heavy to think about, you know, if, if, because I think, gosh, if everybody's living their life, well, then I'm going to gain something in my life too but I'm going to do my part and try to live my life as best as I can and allow those miracles to happen in other people's lives. All right. The next point, an unknown light or an aurora borealis. If anybody knows what the aurora borealis is, it's the Northern lights, right? A lot of people in Scandinavia see these lights, uh, just from the North pole. It's really fascinating, you know, from a scientific perspective, uh, the way that the light shall we say, uh, comes in from the sun and it hits the sky and it shows, it does like a bit of a night show with different lights. Now, um, this happened, uh, there was an interesting night show of light, shall we say, let's see what the article says. Sister Lucia considered the extraordinary light that illuminated the skies of Europe on the night of January 25th through the 26th, 1938, during the hours of eight forty five PM to one fifteen AM as the great sign, the unknown light that our lady predicted that would signal the war was near. Remember our lady said there would be another war. Um, so this is now 1938, um, Astronomers and skeptics brushed it off. Again, scientists, scientists brush it off as a mere aurora borealis, though its character was remarkably unprecedented. So it's easy for us to, you know, as a scientist also, you don't want to jump to conclusions right away and say, oh, this is, you know, something totally different. But at the same time, you got to be objective and say, well, it could have been, but it's not in the same pattern. We, we can say that it's something different. Let's see here. It says, interestingly enough, the book, The Secrets of Fatima explains the aurora appeared as far south as Galicia, Spain. Remember, I said they were the Northern Lights and I meant in Scandinavia. But this here is saying that the aurora appeared all the way down to Spain, where Sister Lucia was then cloistered. And she, the only survivor of the three Fatima shepherds, recognized it immediately as a sign, visible even to Pius Eleventh in Rome. The unprecedented aurora was accompanied by a crackling sound, possibly attributable to discharges of atmospheric energy, you know, why not? You know, scientists will say, well, there's, it's just a discharge of atmospheric energy. Sure, but what's to say that God, why can't we say that God's, you know, doing that? God's in charge of the whole universe. Why wouldn't he be discharging the atmospheric energy? Um, indeed, in many areas of Europe, panic broke out as the populace concluded that the world was on fire and that the end had come. It sounds a little bit different than the Aurora Borealis. You know, like I said, sci- you know, as scientists, we brush anything off and say, oh, it was just an Aurora Borealis. But if the whole world, you know, different people are saying, hey, you know, this looks very different. I'm worried that the world's on fire and the end has come. That's something more, something to be considered, something more to be considered. Let's see here. New York Times said, London, January 25th, 1938, the Aurora Borealis, rarely seen in Southern or Western Europe, spread fear in parts of Portugal and lower Austria tonight, while thousands of Britons were brought running into the streets in wonderment. The rudy glow led many to think Half the city was ablaze. The Windsor Fire Department was called out thinking the Windsor Castle was a fire. The lights were clearly seen in Italy, Spain, and even Gibraltar. The glowing, bathing, snow-clad mountaintops of Austria and Switzerland was a beautiful sight, but firemen turned out to chase non-existing fires. Portuguese villagers rushed in front from their homes, fearing the end of the world. Again, when we see these things, when we see these signs from God, we can easily brush them off and say, you know what, it's okay, it was just a, a bor- aurora borealis. If it looked like the world was on fire, maybe it's a sign of things to come. Maybe it's God talking to us. We can't forget, you know, at the birth of Christ, the astronomers were looking at the stars and they said, hey, there's a star there telling us that the the new king is born. God is speaking to us through nature. Why not through this uh, sign? Why does it have to be just an aurora borealis? Why shouldn't we say, hey, we need to take heed on this. God is speaking to us through nature. All right, and the last part of this article, which I think is probably one of the most important parts, is Jacinta's last words. The following statements uttered by Jacinta showed her depth of soul in the face of moral decay, ravishing the world. So it's always important to get the quotes um, from the saints, because we have to remember, you know, Jacinta, our lady asked her to stay back and to learn to read and to write um, because, you know, they were young, humble shepherd children and they didn't know how to do these things. But when it comes from somebody with a humble heart like that, we know that there's no reason for them to not speak the truth. They have no gain. Um, especially if somebody has comes from a place where they didn't know how to read or write, um, they have no gain. Uh, they, what are they going to gain by telling people, uh, what they know to be the truth. They don't know of any way to, you know, deceive people. Their hearts are honest. But let's look at her quotes. One of them says the sins, which cause most souls to go to hell are the sins of the flesh. And we talked about this, right? We talked about the sins of the flesh. Another interesting quote, Doctors is what I take to heart. Doctors do not have the light to cure the sick because they do not have love of God. That's an important one. Tells us God's the ultimate healer. So regardless of what your doctor says, you also got to wonder, how much does this doctor love God? Is he able to heal? There's another one. Priests should only occupy themselves with the affairs of the church. Priests should be pure, very pure. The disobedience of priests and religious to their superiors and to the Holy Father greatly offends our Lord. That's important. To be a woman religious is necessary to be very pure in soul and body. And this one's last important. Many marriages are not good. They do not please God our Lord. They are not of God. That's interesting to think about in terms of families. If you feel like that's happening in your marriage, let's make our marriage part of God's life here from the clinic. What I would say is month month of the Holy Rosary, let's pray our rosaries. Let's start the devotions through the first five Saturdays. And as always here from the clinic, I say, keep it Catholic. We'll see you here next week when we're going to talk about St. Andre Pio. Thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio and the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Until next time.